The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, It is written, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Now which of these three, in your opinion, was the neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Every time we crack open sacred scripture, there's all kinds of things that we can pull from it, even if it's a common set of readings like we have at this Sunday's Mass. Every time we, we dive into sacred scripture, there's so much richness, so many lessons for us to, to pull from it that someone that's in a profession like mine has years and years of future to, to mine. But today, the lesson I'd like to point out, and the one I think it runs through all of the readings, is this lesson that the Lord's law and his expectations for us are not hard to understand. They're not distant from us in our daily lives. The problem comes in living out those expectations, in living out what he's calling us to be as Christians. And so, today we have maybe two bookends with the first reading and then the gospel. And in the middle, as St. Paul likes to do, he kind of ties everything together. So bear with me as I try to draw this out a little bit. 
In the first reading, we have this account from Deuteronomy, and it's really, it's really kind of a comical moment, almost, in, in tragic in some ways, uh, in which Moses is speaking to the people of Israel. And in the context of that, that part of Deuteronomy, Moses has already led the chosen people of God out of the captivity of slavery in Egypt. He's taken them out into the desert. They've approached Sinai. They've received the Ten Commandments. They've tried to follow the Ten Commandments, sometimes well, sometimes not, varying success in that. They went out across a desert for 40 years, and they finally got to the point where they're about to enter the Promised Land. And the people, before he departs them, before he dies, he's giving these, these words to them. He's pleading them because they've all experienced the same experience that we experience in our own lives of faith. That although we are the people of God, we are members of that body of Christ, and we know the law, we oftentimes pretend to, uh, to lose, we don't pretend, we... We lose sight of it, maybe. We, we distort it into certain ways. We fall across, off the path. We, we, we pretend that it's off in some distant place. And that's the comical part here in Moses. He's like, you know, the law isn't written like up in the sky somewhere that you can't grasp. It's not far from you outside of your realm of experience. No, in fact, you've been with me on this journey for so long. It's been written down on stone tablets. And then it, even more importantly, it's been written on your own very hearts, and it's on your lips. It's a part of our natural human nature to know, on a basic level, the two primary commandments that the scribe and Jesus point to in the gospel. That we should love God above all things, and then our neighbor as ourself. So Moses is speaking to the people of Israel back all those years ago, but he's also speaking to every one of us here at St. Cecilia's today. He's saying that law is not so distant from you. You already know it. It's on your heart, and it's on your lips, if you do as the Lord has taught us, if you follow those commands. And so that takes us, that's one side of the bookend, and then we, take, we go all the way and fast forward to the, to the gospel. And we see that this scribe is trying to do that trick that sometimes we can be guilty of ourselves. He's trying to distort or trick Jesus because he recognizes the good teacher that he is. And he's trying to, trying to get his own way in a way. He's, he's testing him. He says, well, Master, what are, you know, how do we gain eternal life? What's, what's the most important kernel of knowledge that we, we can take away that will gain us eternal life. And so Jesus flips the, the question back on him. He's like, what, well, what do you think? What does the law say? And the scribe does a very good job of summarizing what are, in the, in the Hebrew, in the, in the Jewish laws, hundreds and hundreds of laws, and he encapsulates them down into two. You shall love the Lord your God, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, well, yeah, you're very right. That's exactly it. That's the key to eternal life. And we all know that. It's written in our hearts. But as we go out into the streets, when we leave St. Cecilia's and go out and try to live our daily lives, am I the only one that has a hard time putting that into application? 
to love God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your strength, to put him absolutely first above all other things? There are very few saints that ever walked this earth that can claim to have done that. And so I think all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, myself included, we can recognize moments in our own lives when, when that's not true, right? And so very interestingly and very beautifully, as sacred scripture does so many times, this takes us and places us right on that road in the parable. Right on that road in the parable. So let's paint a little picture. The, the man who was robbed, he was on a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And if we know anything about, about the topography of Israel, which many of us probably don't, and I only, I only learned through, <laughs> through various examples or, or diving deep into some of these studies, Jericho is the first place that the Israelites encountered after Moses gave his little discourse, after they got into the Promised Land. Jericho's located right on the same level as the Dead Sea. So it's about as low down physically as you can possibly get in Israel. It's at the depths, it's on, not on the shores, but it's close to the Dead Sea. And then Jericho, or sorry, Jerusalem is what? In our imagery as, as Christians, even as, as Israelites, as the, the Jews in the past, what is, what is Jerusalem? It's the holy city of God. It was historically, is today, but also we have this imagery of the heavenly Jerusalem, right? So here we are on the road between the lowest, basest place on earth, Jericho, and Jerusalem. In our daily life, we can get onto the, we're on this road and we can choose what direction am I going to go? Am I going to go up the road to Jerusalem? Or am I going to follow the easy path downhill to Jericho? And the imagery and the symbolism is very stark and clear for all of us. When we turn our face and our hearts to Jerusalem, we're climbing uphill. It's not always easy. We know that's the destination that we're called to, to, to eternal life in the heavenly Jerusalem. But that trek uphill is kind of arduous. Sometimes we're tempted to just turn around and take the easy route back downhill. So all of us, in a way, in our daily struggles between knowing what is right and doing what is right, can find ourselves right in the middle of this parable. We're on that road either to Jerusalem or to Jericho. And today we have Jesus, the master of all teachers, laying out this parable in which the man is journeying from Jerusalem to Jericho. And what happens? He's turned his face away from God, away from Jerusalem, and he's heading downhill. And what happens? The robber comes and, and nearly takes his life. He's stripped of his money. He's stripped of his belongings. He's left half dead. What is, this, what is this image of, brothers and sisters, if it's not the effects of sin? When we turn away from the Lord slowly but surely, things 
that are most valuable to us, that are worth the highest good, are slowly stripped away, and we find ourselves dead, half dead, on the side of the road. So who comes to save us on the side of the road? Who is the Good Samaritan? Well, it's Jesus himself. Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Jesus is almost always the focal point of the parable, the main actor. Jesus is the one who's walking away, he leaves heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem, and is walking down towards the most basest level, the furthest distance away from heaven, to encounter who? He's coming to encounter you. He's coming to encounter me laying on the side of the road, maybe a little disoriented, wishing that we could get back on the road to Jerusalem, but we're wounded. We're in need of the sacraments. Think about that. What does is, what is the Good Samaritan use to heal the man on the side of the road? He uses oil. What do, what do we use oil for as Christians? Just yesterday, I got to baptize uh, a, a very young young boy right here at this baptismal font. And the first thing you do before you baptize a young child or an adult, you mark them with holy oil, healing them. Oil was seen as a, as a medicine in the old days, and it's still seen as a medicine in our current days. So first the Good Samaritan marks the man with oil. And then what does he use? Wine. He uses wine. What does the image of wine remind us of as Catholics? Right here. The sacrifice of the Mass, the Eucharist. So the Good Samaritan's walking past this injured person on the road. Jesus is walking towards each of us laying in our sin, and he's approaching us with the sacraments. He bandages us. through. So he anoints us. He offers us the Eucharist. He bandages us up and lifts us up through reconciliation. And then he redeems us. He pays the price, two silver coins in the parable, but through his cross. He takes all of us, picked up off the side of the road, fixes us up, turns us around, and sends us back towards Jerusalem, back towards that that point of encounter. What happened in Jerusalem? The cross. Right? The cross of Christ happened at Jerusalem. And that's what Paul was getting to in the second reading. That, yeah, all of the laws of the prophets of old, of Moses, of everybody else, they're so clear to us as people of faith that they're already written on our hearts and on our lips. But Despite that, because of the concupiscence that we struggle with, that temptation towards other distractions, you know, we're walking up the hill towards Jerusalem, and then you're like, oh, look, a, a, you know, a little pool on the side of the road. And then you're, all of a sudden you're looking over here, and then it becomes easier just to get turned around, and you don't know which way you're going, and you just start going back downhill. So he's, he's always trying to guide us back towards that heavenly Jerusalem. He's always trying to give us what we need for eternal life. 
And what Paul points out is that while before it was written on our hearts, before it was written on stone, before all of that, it was written by the author of life, Jesus Christ himself, who wrote it into creation, who encounters us on the road, even today, as we journey towards Jerusalem, right? We all woke up this morning and we could have gone anywhere else, but thanks be to God, we're all here. So generally, we're oriented towards the right direction, right? We're, we're seeking him, and he's here to encounter us on that path, to help us along on that journey. And what he does is, in the cross, as, as Paul points out, he unites all creation, everybody, into that. He wraps it all up because he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image and the, the living person of that law. He's encount we've encountered him, and he's bringing us together today, right here, to the foot of the cross, to receive, to receive that sacrament that will lead us to eternal life. So we see so much beautiful symbolism and imagery in those, in those readings. And the, and the message is simple. Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Well, we started out on the right path to Jerusalem today, brothers and sisters. We're loving God. We're we come here and we're trying to give him our heart in praise and worship. But then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So our next challenge, as we head out after this Mass, out into the street, is to try to apply that logic that we're taught in the parable to our daily life. When we're walking on the road to Jerusalem, and we encounter somebody on the side of the street, what can we do for them? How can we show them love? What can we offer them? Again, the answer is simple, but it's not always easy for us to do. When we were in that same place, if we're in that same place, what was done for us? That encounter with the living God, the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. He's our salvation. He's the answer to those people broken on the streets. Does that mean that the monetary and physical well-being of our neighbors and brothers and sisters is not important? No, it isn't. But remember, what's first? God. So what can we do to our neighbor? What can we do to our, our, for our family member, for our, our co-worker that's struggling in any way? We can offer that image of the Son who's become incarnate first in the world in his own flesh, but then he gave himself up for all of us on the cross, and he gave himself to all of us in that Eucharist. And so when we receive it today, we become like him. We become Christ's in the world, the anointed. Again, that imagery. Christ just means the anointed one. All of us have been anointed in our baptism and in our confirmation. If we've, got, if we've received the anointing of the sick, we've been anointed again a third time. We're Christ's sent out into the world to encounter those people that are taking that slow and easy path downhill towards Jerusalem. So the call for each of us today, as much as it is to, you can hand, what is the, what is the, uh, 
maybe that analogy doesn't work. We, we can see maybe someone on the street that has a, has a psychological problem or a spiritual problem, and there's that desire to want to come and just to fix it, but we know with all the homelessness in the streets of, of Beaverton and in Portland, we can't just hand $5 to a person and expect their life to turn around, right? We know that the problem is much more deeply rooted in it. And a huge problem out in our culture, as so many people are struggling not with just homelessness, but with depression, with anxiety, with fear, with so many things. What's the healing balm? What's the saving wine? What's the bandaging that they need? It's Jesus Christ. And so today, we're all going to receive him in the Eucharist. And today, we're sent out. And what does, he, what does Jesus say to the scribe? He says, go and do likewise. Go and do just like me, right? That's, that's the basic Christian principle. Why, they, why anyone would call us Christians is because we go out and try to do like Christ does. So our challenge this week, brothers and sisters, for myself and for all of you, is to, to keep our eyes fixed on Jerusalem. It's not always an easy task. There's a lot of distractions out there in the world and uh, to try to follow that path, even if it's uphill, even if it's challenging at times. And then it, as we encounter people on that path, to pick them up, to share that love, to love them for the sake of Christ, to love them despite, despite our own brokenness that might get in the way. You know, oftentimes when we say, we hear that, that phrase, love your neighbor as yourself, that just super quickly, like one or two people come to mind, you're like, yeah, no, not, not, I'm not going to love him or I'm not going to love her. There's, it's a, that's not possible. But it is possible. It is possible to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, on Jerusalem, and it is possible to love the people that you think are unlovable. It's not because only our efforts alone can accomplish this, but because of the grace that we've received in the sacraments, that we are receiving today, that grace to pick us up and to do the same for others. So brothers and sisters, let's just think of one person in our life that we could touch with that love of Christ in our lives this week and make a, a resolution to do just that.